You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode. Every couple of weeks or so, our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, get together for a roundtable discussion. So here's a few minutes for free so you can see what all the fuss is about. I've always wanted to do, I've fantasized about asking this question, but I don't know anyone who likes sports. So I, this, I may never get this opportunity again. Dion, you like sports, right? I do like sports. And you're a human being living on earth? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Last time we checked. Yeah. Okay. So given that information, statistically speaking, I can be pretty confident that your number one favorite sport is soccer. Is that right? Uh, no. Okay, then my backup option, and I mean, if it's not number one, it's got to be number two. Your favorite sport must be cricket. Uh, no. No. Huh. Man, that's weird. There must be something (laughs) about the dynamics of the society that you grew up in that makes you a strange outlier compared to humanity as a whole. It's hard to know what to do with that information, but (laughs) I've, I've just, I've imagined... Asking someone who tries to insist that there is such a thing as purely independent free will and that you're know, like, you can decide to do whatever you want to do and it doesn't matter what other people think. I'm like, right, go on imagining that. But whoever that person I was talking to in my fantasy would obviously be a football or baseball or basketball fan and they would never have paid attention to soccer or cricket the two most popular sports on the planet. And then I would use that to prove that they are actually slaves to their environment as much as anyone else. (laughs) Speaking of being slaves to our environment, this is where I I get to the actual topic I wanted to to discuss, which is that in an age of COVID, we are all dying from individualism and federalism in America. And it is because so many of us are slaves to our upbringing and the structures of our society and the assumptions that are sort of hammered home for everyone that individualism is part of American culture to the degree that people are naming themselves freedom defenders to protest the wearing of masks or the getting of vaccinations and Pretty much every day we can read a story about not just an individual, but like a leader of an organization or a conservative talk show host who had railed for months against mask wearing or vaccines and they're dying by the day. And so just one that I pulled this article was a Texas anti-mask freedom defender, Caleb Wallace, dies of COVID-19 after organizing protests against what he called COVID tyranny, uh, business lockdowns, masks, and vaccinations, and went on to say 
that 2020 has been the worst, one of the worst years for America, and just show me the science that masks work. It's out there. He wasn't willing to see it, and he died because of it. And thousands of people are dying because of, as we've been talking about COVID, there's a lot of talk about misinformation. And the core of what I'm getting at is that this goes way back farther than COVID-specific misinformation. This is like what our country was founded on and the ideas that have been instilled in us for centuries have contributed to us being wildly open to these ideas of freedom trumping collective safety and health concerns. No pun intended. Yeah. (laughs) Well. (laughs) When you brought this subject up and you said we're dying of federalism, I did the the nerdy thing and I, I need to know the definition of federalism before I start talking about it. So I looked it up. I think this is actually not federalism that we're dying of or individualism. It's confederalism. It's confederacy. I think this, this is a theme of the show for a while is that the, this isn't the United States of America. This is the Confederate States of America in, in a lot of senses. There is a federal system for some of the states and there's a Confederate system for other parts of the states, like the new Texas abortion law. That has no basis in national law. That's just a Texas law. And that's where we're headed if things don't change, where each state where you live is its own little fiefdom and you are stuck in whatever that that little fiefdom decides is the law. There's not going to be a national consensus. The separation happens more and more so that those people that are dying of these kinds of structures of ignorance are dying of those structures of ignorance in separate states that no longer follow any federal rules. Yeah, we are certainly headed that way. (laughs) It feels feels like that for sure. Jay, when you say federalism, what what were you pointing to? So when I talk about federalism, I, I haven't even gotten to that idea yet. Moving past the individuals fighting and literally dying for their freedom to not protect themselves or others. There's a story that has been a pet peeve of mine since April 10th, 2020 is probably when I first heard about it. So let me read a few article headlines and and, uh, maybe tiny excerpts. So April 10th, 2020, Google and Apple, the two companies who make uh, something like 99% of all cell phone operating systems in the world, Google and Apple partner on building COVID-19 contact tracing apps into Android and iOS. Excuse me, I said app, I didn't mean that. The operating system. They built this core technology deep into the infrastructure of their operating systems, on top of which apps could be built by Countries or whatever municipal governments wanted to build contact tracing apps. The key feature of this technology was to put a high value on privacy while also allowing phones to connect with each other via tiny little Bluetooth pings and keep track of who you've been in contact with for a very limited time without attaching 
location information, identifiable information, nothing like that. The idea of which was that if you are using this system, then you could, when you test positive for COVID-19, you input into the app that you've tested positive, and that immediately sends notifications to everyone who you've been in physical contact with within the last couple of weeks without you having any idea who they are and them not having any idea who you are. That's what Apple and Google partnered to do. 17 days later, April 27th, 2020, Germany, who had initially planned a contact tracing app using a different structure, U-turned and said that they were going to go with the Apple and Google approach because it was better than the rival system. And now skipping ahead to August 26th, 2021, so more than you know, a year and a few months later, Google and Apple Exposure Notification API saved thousands of lives, but apps largely flopped in the U.S. And so what ended up happening is that countries mostly with unified single healthcare systems, and particularly countries that don't have the kind of state-by-state federalism government structures that we do, were able to implement this contact tracing app into their country, the citizens of their country could download it, and they advertised it, made sure people were aware of it. And so they, they've done studies that showed, particularly in the UK is just the one place where I've seen the study from, that literally thousands of lives were saved by people receiving exposure notifications and knowing that they should quarantine themselves until they had a chance to get tested. What happened in America as reported by Business Insider, who examined the data and found, quote, that the U.S. failed to take anything like full advantage of the technology. It describes a cascade of failures ranging from the federal government to individuals. The first problem was that the White House didn't create a single U.S.-wide contact tracing app, but instead delegated it to the individual states. Second, Almost half of U.S. states didn't bother. Third, in those states where an app was rolled out, poor promotion and education meant that take-up was extremely low. And finally, and most frustratingly, almost nobody who tested positive for COVID-19 actually logged this in the app. This contrasts with more than 40% of infections in the U.K. being logged in the NHS app. I think they estimated that Something like 2% of people in the U.S. who got COVID logged it into the app, 40% in the U.K. And they point out disinformation was certainly one factor, with many Americans mistakenly thinking the apps tracked their locations or the people they met. But both state and national politicians certainly didn't help, failing to offer reassurance and, in many cases, actively arguing against use of the apps. So when I say federalism is killing people, that's what I'm talking about. So I knew that iOS was doing this, but only because I got a notification from my iPhone, not because there's been information campaigns or anything like that spreading the awareness. Jay, is that like how you came across it or what was your intro to the app? 
Well, I mean, back in April 2020, I was following COVID news pretty closely. I was listening to lots of podcasts, the BBC World COVID Report, a few podcasts, one from The Atlantic became one of our favorites. And I think every one of those outlets ended up talking about these apps at least a handful of times. The article that I was just quoting from was actually a tech article that was like written by an outlet that follows Apple and Google news as opposed to health news. And so I was actually getting more information on the health side or or the technology side of fighting COVID through technology news as opposed to COVID news. And yeah, so in our experience, my parents, Amanda's mother, and we just learned that Dion did not know that these systems existed before within the last week or so because and just a side note by some coincidence we had planned to talk about this and a few days ago amanda and i both got exposure notifications on our phones and for the first time and we got but we quarantined and got tested and we were fine but that was the first time and it seemed like a minor miracle to have gotten an exposure notification, like what are the chances from everything we just learned about what a flop it's been in the US, how many exposure notifications should we have gotten if we lived in a functioning society as opposed to the one we live in, in which case we only got one notification. Yeah, and I also just thought it was just amazing that somebody reported. <laughs> that is it for today's free sample. Paying members are who make this entire show possible. And so these bonus episodes and the bonus clips that go in our regular episodes are all just to say thanks to them for their support. And we've been in a drought of advertisements on the show for a while now, which means we are all the more grateful for every single member who signs up. If you would like to be our newest member, you can sign up at bestoftheleft.com slash support or from right inside the Apple Podcasts app. If you can't afford a membership, I offer financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email and we'll get you all set up. As always, thanks for listening and thanks for your support. 